Hi, everybody. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. It is the waning hours of Monday, September 18th, 2023. And just the turnover between the third day of Tishrei and the fourth day of Tishrei, 5784. Jewish New Year passed the last couple of days. Um, and I hope for all of you who celebrated, it was an introspective time, an interesting time. I had an unusual uh, Rosh Hashanah. We uh, had a special prayer service at one of my neighbors. He's in a wheelchair, so he can't get to synagogue. So they made a minyan. They made a little service for him in his house. And so I ended up praying in their dining room. And their dining room overlooks Bethlehem and the Dagan, the hill here in Efrat that I was like a part of having been built. And the Etam, which is where Samson fled to after he's fighting with the Philistines deep in Judah. And of course, Jerusalem behind the whole business. And it was like really interesting to look at these hills, some of which look the same way they did a long time ago. And just imagine my forefathers there. Good times, bad. I um, The favorite part of the service for me is the chauffeur blowing, the ram's horn, um, the trumpet. It, I think for all of us, right? I'm definitely not the only one. It just hits something so deep. It's not just a sound. And I missed it on Shabbat because according to Jewish Orthodox tradition, um, when Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbat, you don't blow the shofar. Although I read a fascinating article in my paper of choice, Makori Shon, which as I've said to you, only comes out in Hebrew, unfortunately, um, with a, uh, quoting Rav Ariel, who's a very well-known rabbi and very well-respected rabbi. And he and other rabbis did blow shofar on Shabbat. Um, they did a lot of research into why it was stopped because it was done during the temple times and even afterwards. Um, one of the main reasons it was stopped is because they didn't want to carry, you're not allowed to carry in public places too far on Shabbat, and they didn't want to carry the shofar. So in the end, they stopped blowing it. But his contention is that not only... Um, should we uh, blow the shofar? Like we're allowed to blow the shofar. He said we should be. Like it's wrong that we don't. Um, and so he made sure to do so. I'll take his word for it. The article came out before Rosh Hashanah. So I thought that was um, absolutely fascinating. And I hope that that's something. I know these things take a while to get adopted in the mainstream, but I really did miss hearing the shofar uh, on Shabbat. Got to hear it on Sunday. And the person who blew it was magnificent. The Tkiagidola, like the long note, he started low he ended up deep deep and hot and louder and like he built to a crescendo app like to tears like i think everybody there was brought to tears so it was really very special and um there's a lot going on in my life some of it not so great as i'm sure some of you out there also um people with health health issues 15 year old girl my sister-in-law's niece just diagnosed with cancer last week so if those of you who want to pray for Leah Renana Batchen Chana, that would be great. Um, and has to go for an aggressive treatment, and God willing, everything will be okay. I'm just hearing, like, every single day, I hear about somebody new with cancer. I don't know what is going on, but it's uh, it's really it's frightening and it's upsetting and all of that. So, wherever you are, I know we're all praying for a healthy year, and that really, really, really is the most important thing. We all say that. And then when it goes south, then you realize that is absolutely the most important thing. Um, there was another cool article in the paper. I had two days to read the paper instead of my normal one um, about beekeepers. There's a company in Israel. I think they're called Bee Hero or something like that, some play on words. And they are upset about the bee colony collapse in the world, as they should be. I think it was Albert Einstein. Nobody's really clear who said this, who said that 
Um, after the last bee dies, humanity will only survive for the next four years, and that's it. So it's really important. And even though it, it made the headlines a while ago, it's kind of died down, but, but the bees haven't really recovered. And um, so this company here, they came up with a sensor that they put in each hive, and then they can tell what's going on in the hive, like by the humming of the bees. It wasn't really clear to me um, how they know. So like, for example, he said that he called a client of theirs on the other side of the world because they monitor all this stuff through their computers. And he said to him in hive number, whatever that you have, your queen bee died. Sure enough, the guy opened the hive and that's what was the story. So they try and they try and find out problems before they start and tell the beekeepers that you're having problems in the hives because opening the hives also cause damage. They try not to open the hives. So if they have a sensor inside, it's telling them what's going on in the hive. Super cool. And, uh, and this way they have lowered the death. I think the death in, of bees is like 48%, some crazy number around the world. And here in Israel, it's like 27 or 28, which is still a lot, but a lot less than in other places. Anyhow, there were some cool stories in there about how they went to the San Joaquin Valley which is between Sacramento and San Francisco and California, where 80% of the world's almonds are grown. I had no idea. And of course, they're much more um, packed in than they are in nature. So they need much more pollination and they need more bees. And so they came there and they ended up convincing some of the people who grow almonds to use their product. Anyhow, it was very cool. And there were a lot of interesting articles. Aaron did to kind of keep my mind off the politics and, and everything else that's happening here. Um, and, uh, it just in general, I, it's just like a time, time of reflection. Um, I'm going out tomorrow to do some more filming. For those of you who know, I do these films for when is all fun, where I go into a community and I, um, meet somebody. If the last one that just came out a few days ago, if you're interested, send, drop me a note and I'm happy to send it to you. Or just, you can go into the when is all fun site or on actually it should be on I shouldn't need to put it on my website wait a couple of days until I get that organized <laughs> thank you Tabitha um and uh and I did that after Batsheva Nisri the Nigri the um the Ganenet the kindergarten teacher was killed a few weeks ago so we went there and we filmed about the community so I'm going out tomorrow supposed to be going down to the Jordan Valley um and uh filming another couple of communities and just really trying to make sure that people who aren't here are still aware of the heroes that are here holding the land all the time the roads are not great the roads and other situations are getting worse and worse i was like you know our roads are they're, f they're fixing them all the time really putting a lot of money into the roads in, in judea and samaria but then they're packed with Arab cars. And then the world has the nerve to tell us that we have apartheid roads. And they don't pay anything for those roads because the PA, the Palestinian Authority, is so, so, so poor. Yeah, you see that by the kind of cars that they have and the beautiful homes that they have. And so they're on the roads that we built. And it can take me an hour now to get into Jerusalem, which should take me between 20 and 25 minutes. It's just incredibly frustrating. And just a feeling that nobody is at the wheel. And I could really go on a rant about that, but I don't know if, it's, uh, if that's appropriate at this time of year. So I think I'll um, maybe leave it for another time. It's not going to go away, so I can rant it another time. But um, I do have an interview um, that I am just about to tape. I'm going to get him online. Uh, I've had him before, Dr. Aaron Lerner. He's got some great ideas that I think you will enjoy. So Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network, wishing you now, and maybe at the end of the interview, Shana Tova, a wonderful 5784, wherever you are. Let the bad guys all croak, like immediately and painfully, and let the good people rock. And let, um, you know, 
let everybody realize who's really in control of this planet and it ain't us. So I will be back in just a minute. Hi, everybody. So as promised, Dr. Aaron Lerner. Hi, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I know you've got a lot going on. All right. So for those of you who, for those of my listeners who don't yet know who you are and what Emmer is, maybe just a couple of sentences. Well, Emmer's been around for a long time, founded along with my father. And we cover Arab-Israeli relations. And uh, that's about it. Plus, well, I would I would extend it to also looking at things going on in Israel in terms of legislation and other matters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that other people don't deal with. So you guys can get an email every day. It's all free. And uh, I get tons of emails. And I can tell you that this is one that I read because it always gets me thinking. Not always about things I want to be thinking about, but definitely things that are important. So it, that's why we have this interview tonight, because... Um, I read a fascinating, I don't know, I guess you could call it an analysis uh, that you put out a few days ago about Elon Musk and Tesla. So maybe elaborate for my listeners where you were going with this one. Well, here, Prime Minister Netanyahu is landing now in San Francisco in order to attend a meeting with Elon Musk. And his press release says he's going to talk about artificial intelligence and possibly business. Now, that's nice, you know, but I don't think if I had the opportunity to sit right now with Elon Musk that that's what I would be talking about. Uh, Elon Musk's Tesla company, besides being involved in making electric cars, right. also has a very uh, advanced uh, port, uh, portfolio of products for uh, battery uh, supplies, you know, for, for electric battery storage, for electric uh, storage. Mm-hmm. And these include some which would be appropriate for being used for apartment buildings. And why do I care about storing, bat- storing electricity in apartment buildings? For the simple reason that right now we face a very serious threat of massive rocket attacks and now it's it's gone even another step because we in addition to the rockets uh we have these uh developments of drones drone mm-hmm. att- the possibility of drone attacks and we don't really have much of a response for dealing with the ramifications of it for the civilian population now, Ask anybody who, who's involved in defense, and they will tell you that in the next round, if God forbid we have a huge round, which is, involves Hezbollah from Lebanon, the Iron Dome systems will not be protecting well, the uh, areas. Right. They won't because mm-hmm. they just don't have the capacity. We're talking mm-hmm. about 100,000 rockets that are, that are coming down on us, and they just... the entire capacity of the Iron Dome will be focused on strategic locations, defending critical strategic locations, which means that apartment buildings are going to be hit and uh, power lines are going to be hit and they're going to go down. So this is why you would want to have backup power and you'd want to have it on 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 an apartment building basis 
because actually it's a curious thing. Imagine if you said, well, why don't we have uh, power storage for a neighborhood? Well, if you had power storage for a neighborhood, you'd have a target for somebody to attack. So it's, so it's almost like a generator. You're saying like no, a, it's not a generator. Imagine but, a battery that can give you a battery that has that you have in tandem that gives you such a capacity that you'd be able to run the refrigerators and the lighting in, mm-hmm, in the, the building. Right, right. Now here is, and the beauty of it, by the way, is imagine you know you're you're in a you're in an apartment building with with eighteen neighbors, and they're looking at they're looking at how much power is left, and if some jerk turns on his air conditioning because he right. wants to be cool or to watch TV. Everybody's saying, Chaim, for God's <laughs> sakes, yeah. do this. We need the we need the electricity for the for the fridge. for the right. you know for the fridge. Right. That's it. No more. So you have that advantage. Is the, is there anything like this out there? Apartment buildings that have battery backups? Uh there are buildings which have very ex- expensive generators but that's mm-hmm. a whole other level of expense and it's also a much different level of intrusion on a building because you need the space and everything else to have the fuel for powering a generator etc right. so right. it's not something that you can just walk in and uh, a technician walks in with uh with a, with a, with a screwdriver and and something else and, mm-hmm. and he puts something in on the wall that's taking off of the it's taking off of the the electricity that's coming into the building and and powering up it's a completely different thing now keep in mind obviously another step would be that if you can add on uh solar power cells uh right. up on up on a roof then fantastic but what this would do is it would give you a window of a certain amount of breathing time. And not only that, keep in mind, what is the other fear that we have? It's not just that the wire it's supplying electricity to, to your neighborhood somehow goes down. What happens if the power supply in the country is reduced because a power plant or two was seriously right. damaged? And now we're doing rolling brownouts. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have a rolling brownout, that means that it, 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 it all of Ranana, where I live, doesn't have electricity for two hours. And then it's Petach Tikva's turn not to have power for two hours. Well, if, you've, if the apartment buildings have this, these batteries, then during the time that the electricity is available, the batteries recharge. And when you don't have the power. Right. No, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking about how dependent we are on electricity. Like, I mean, for everything. Look, even w- what, you know, most of our soldiers are reserves, which means that they have to get in their car and get to wherever it is they need to go, which means that they might not have gas in their car and they have to go to a gas station, which is all electricity to pump gas into their car. And and everything, just everything, water pumping, uh, you know. Well, I'm just saying. For this, in this particular thing that we're addressing for right. apartment buildings, this actually goes back in my mind 20 years ago when the retiring head of uh, Picuda Aura, what's it the, in English? The, the, the civilian command, command, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he threw off this thing, you know, all you Israelis, you're jerks because you keep on spending money on a new, on a new, uh, on a new. Uh, cellular phone instead of buying 
uh, instead of buying a power uh, a power generator for your house. And I actually contacted them and said, oh, you have that great idea. Why aren't you going out and arranging for some deal with the right. home centers that people can buy them instead of just saying this? What you've basically done is you've said something that you've now put into a notebook that you've put on your wall so that when the when the commission of inquiry comes in, you say, well, your you know, mind. back on this date, <laughs> I said in my reef that people should do this. So it's not my problem. They didn't listen. Anyway, the the so why do you talk about this when you sit with Elon Musk? Uh, like anything else, when you're when you manu- for a manufacturer, you have only a certain capacity. So if we think that this is something we want to do, that we want to have this massive project where apartment buildings that uh, are in well-to-do neighborhoods get it, you know, can can get it where they're paying for it in in God knows how many payments, mm-hmm. and people who and they in poor neighborhoods are getting them for free, right? Well, how? you get this massive supply from Tesla of this equipment? And the answer is, well, Elon Musk, if, if Bibi Netanyahu asks Elon Musk face to face, look, I need I need this for the sake of my country. And it's not a weapon of war that we're talking right. about. We it's want battery civilians. Right. for this. It's purely, purely a thousand percent for civilians. And then he says, okay, so we, we would like you to give us a big chunk of your capacity for this program. And we need you to assign a team of your people mm-hmm. who will interface with our team to get this running. Now that is in a conversation of 30 minutes with the photo ops and everything else. Right. And I could talk about AI. And I don't know that's, that's a three minute part of the conversation. And guess what? It's something for Tesla to make money. I'm not right. asking for him to invest no in Israel. I'm right. asking for him to supply something. something. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to ask him to do something for me for artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to a businessman and saying, "I'd like to give you some business. Let's we could let's, be like a test let's case, run because we're let's certainly run. not the only place in the world that's dealing with this. I mean, I have friends in the states who deal in security who tell me about the vulnerabilities. And certain things that have been taken down specifically in California, certain little power plants that went off the grid and nobody really noticed, right. but they think it was some kind of experiment. There was a test. We yes. had a, uh, that's a whole conversation because it would appear that in the United States they've done, there, there's been groups who've been doing proof of con- Let's call yes. it proof of concept. They've done proof of concept. They've, they've shown that that with a that with a couple of shotguns uh, shooting at the right place, you can take stuff out where the the equipment which you've damaged is something which usually has a life of thirty years. And since it has a life of thirty years, people don't hold on to a lot of them as backup because hey, this stuff lived, you know, this right, stuff right. is good for thirty years. And right, so somebody who's aware of this who now goes around and destroys a whole bunch of them, yeah. He can really do something good. Mm-hmm. So that's my idea. I right. am very, I distributed this broadly. I would be quite pleased to find that uh, it turns out that this, that. Maybe somehow, you'll be pleasantly surprised and it was part of the agenda. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. 
because I, I don't see I don't see how it's a lose uh, how it's a loss for anybody. Now, I would mention that one of the reasons that I'm particularly I, I'm more concerned than ever before about the situation and about the possibility that that we're going to see a very serious and and very very dangerous attack is is what happened uh, oh, oh, a week ago when the minister of defense Gallant suddenly he he he's 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 talking and revealing to us that since last november we've been watching the iranians build a an airport strip in lebanon okay and it's mm-hmm. been kept secret from the israeli public hasn't been aware of it right and it's been going on all of this time we didn't know about it and just by sheer consequence sheer coincidence the Recently, it turned out that the Associated Press got its hands on uh, satellite photographs of these of this airstrip. So, I'm wondering if it's by coincidence that it, we finally have been told about this, or is, have we been told about this three days before it was going to appear on the front page of the New York Times and the rest of the world? And which, by the way, so. Of course, what did Gallant say in response to this, the existence of this airport strip? Yes. What did he tell them? He tell them that it has to be destroyed. Um. But, hmm. God forbid. Oh, you should be really. If you do something from there and you attack us, oh, you're going to really be in trouble. Afterwards, that was that was his that was his threat. And I'm thinking, wow. This is now. Let's compare and contrast. Imagine if the same thing had gone on in in Syria, right? Back in November, if heavy earth moving equipment had started to prepare the ground for an airstrip for Iran to use, yeah. we would probably, in broad daylight, bomb heavy equipment and killed the, the the equipment drivers, so that their replacements would have second thoughts about taking the contract okay but lebanon we're we're deterred so we don't handle this why because we are because we're terrified we're terrified because we kept on kicking the kicking the kicking it down the down the street and and it's just gotten worse and worse and we are the ones who are deterred but what is my punchline why am i talking about this all together i'm saying to myself if this secret was kept from us since November and possibly only revealed to the Israeli public because the Associated Press might have been about to put it in the newspapers, what other secrets are there in Lebanon that they're not telling us because they don't feel compelled to because they don't think that there's going to be a news report about it next week? Well, to play devil's advocate for a second, civilians probably shouldn't know a lot because whatever we read in the paper, the enemy also reads in the paper. Oh, the enemy knows that they built the strip. Okay, that's, yes. I think that, I think it's, I think it's a curious other thing. They're wondering what's going on that they're not telling. They say, oh, because, you know why? Because they don't want to have to deal with it. They don't want to have to address this problem. So by not telling the Israeli public, they don't have the pressure to do something about it. 
look, we had a curious thing uh, a couple of weeks ago. We said uh, we we put an announcement that within a year we were going to be deploying the the laser um, system that would right. be able to shoot things down, and we're going to be deploying it curiously in 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 Gaza, the area of Gaza first, not in the area of the Lebanon border, which I find interesting because we know that the hole in our defense in a battle against Hezbollah is the uh are, are, it's going to be is massive short range are the short range attack short range attacks right so we're not putting in the lasers there to, to help in that no we're doing it in, on the Gaza strip an area where we mm -hmm. can actually pull out civilians I don't know but can I hope and, that all of this is a big bluff like that none of us are being told the truth because they really are ready Oh, Can well, I, 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 I really wish that was the case. Uh, I, I'll say two things about that. I, my suspicion more was they announced this in order to kick the can down because you say, gee, we, the reason that we're not attacking Hezbollah now is because we're waiting because in two years, we're going to have this, uh, these lasers, these great gizmos everywhere. Um, I'm showing my age. Okay. I'm mm -hmm. showing my age. Mm. I was here already at 73. Okay. 50 years to the Yom Kippur War, where right. we had and, to take the and first I remember blow. it and, yeah. and, and, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, and uh, what can I tell you? It's something that definitely affects your thinking, both in terms of, it, 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 and also in terms of your trust in the judgment of. <laughs> of the military and yes. the, the, of, of all of these people right right so you know I'm the crazy scared. thing is if we're really talking about the Yom Kippur war and really we're about to commemorate 50 years and you look any Israeli talks about the Yom Kippur war and people can't see your face like I can your face our faces all fall like even though really when you look at it militarily it was an unbelievable oh, victory at the end that absolutely. the little guys pulled out not the commanders I was talking, they were all I killed was talking to an, i was talking to an egyptian about this really? actually once because they were and and because they were about to celebrate the 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 great the, the great victory of 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 the october war yeah i was just there and, and their said, main street is october 6, and i said wait street. a second where was kilometer 101 because mm -hmm. you know yeah. that's where that they set up we, 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 this the tent was set up for the for the talks yeah. i said what was it 101 kilometers away from from mm -hmm. from tel aviv from jerusalem mm. no it was 101 kilometers away from cairo yeah we were on the road to cairo all right mm. so that was yeah who who exactly had who exactly had a victory? It was a tremendous cost, but at a tremendous, co tremendous I, cost. I remember there was they said on the radio that they were going to give the number. I don't know how long it was after the war, but they said, "Okay, we're now going to give we're now going to give the number." Of who I mean, we killed. Like, right, and yeah. just sitting there and saying, "Oh my God, what you know? What's what?" What's what are we going to be told now? Because it it was yes, right something unlike anything that we've ever experienced since that time. The just absolutely crazy time here.
Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, but yeah. And, something uh, to teach us a so lesson. Coming up, it should. You? It should teach a lesson of hubris and of. Look, we have a lot better intelligence than we had there for sure. I mean, for in, 50 inte- years we've intelligence so much. But how do you in, interpret as, it? Whoa, 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 whoa. Intelligence whoa, whoa, whoa. as in, <laughs> not necessarily brains. I hear where you're going with this. Yes. <laughs> I, I am very concerned about the danger, the filtering of information in order to fit uh, a model that, that, that you're working in the need for a red team, the need for the people who challenge, who challenge what you're thinking. Uh, I was a little stunned to read uh, about Yaakov Amidror uh, and his role in Oslo, for mm-hmm. example. So here you have a guy, a really bright guy, really yes. bright guy. And he was the head of military intelligence at the time. And there was Benny Begin and uh, Yigal Carmon, and uh, really these are the, the the two big guys on this, and they're just chapter inversing the true intentions of Yasser Arafat. And he was the head of intelligence, and he completely rejected it, and he did. Uh, he engaged in uh, just. All kinds of you know, any which way to 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 uh, lay down just just dangerous. to avoid to avoid dealing with the truth, so that it would make what the 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 people upstairs wanted to hear, and so I'm thinking. You see, take a guy like that, who's an intelligent guy, very well respected, and he could do yeah. that. And yeah. I'm thinking. So what's going on right now? Mm-hmm. Do we have people who are doing the same thing right now? I don't, but I'm I'm concerned. Well, if anybody of us needed some impetus and some incentive to pray harder during the next few days, I think uh, <laughs> I think you just gave it to all of us. Yes, oh, indeed. Really, um, the fallibilities of human beings. And um, all right, well, we'll hope that you know we say that in our prayers. We pray for wisdom for our leaders. And that's one of that's the, right. That's one of the parts exactly. that I say with tremendous exactly. fervor. And yeah, and yes. well, no, look, look again. Yeah. What I'm just saying that one of the nice things is we're a very small country. Being a small country is that it is possible, um, at least, to get beyond if the if the Zaro knew. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't have that excuse here because we are such a small country that it is actually possible for relatively low people like yours truly to have the Zar to communicate that the Zar oh, knows a what it is that you're saying. Yes, absolutely. There and, are. and so that is a beauty of the country, and God willing, you know this. This is one of the features of the country that makes that it, it, it may end up helping us a lot in getting around things. Yeah, it is. It's all about the people. With all the demonstrations and all the negative stuff that's coming out, and the people who are really 
not almost some of them even acting like traitors against the country, which is just uh, obscene to see some of what's happening now. The lack of support for the prime minister, whether you like him or not, he represents right. this country. Keep your mouth shut right. when On you're a doing visit. diplomacy. Right. Really, how dare you? Um, but with all that, the, the the little worker bees, I was just talking about bees because I read an article. So in my introduction, I was talking about the bees. Okay, so it's the little worker bees who, who you know, get it all done. So hoping that that's what will happen here. But thank you, as always, for your insights. It's a great time. Really. And I, Netzach Yisrael, I, I, at the end of the day, uh, beyond this millimeter of thick of a group of people who are who, who are politi either politically motivated or, 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 or profoundly stupid um, mm -hmm. not mutually exclusive we still buddy. have a we still have a lot of really good really tremendous people. people regardless of their political stand the country is, is remains blessed Yes, really so blessed and blessed. solid. Most it, people the, know exactly the ability, what the stakes We are. have the people to over. We do have the people with the ability to overcome whatever our challenges are. Mm -hmm. And we have the resilience as a country to do it. And so thank God, I think that uh, yeah. we can handle it. As always, though, the question is the cost. So hopefully. Exactly. Hopefully it will so, be good. Dr. Aaron Lerner, thank you so much for your time and for your insights to you as well, to my listeners as well, wherever you are. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network, with thanks to Tabitha and to Ben. Um, no show next week, I believe, because it's going to be Yom Kippur. So, but uh, you will be hearing from me around so time. Take care, everybody, and goodbye for now.